And then, then sometime on Wednesday, he realized, oh, the Democrat won in New Jersey. And he didn't actually just win by a little. It looks like he's going to win by 75,000 votes or so. In fact, he won by more than the Republican did in Virginia. Welcome to the Bituation Room Podcast live stream. How you doing? How you feeling, everybody out there in the ether? Hi. Uh, that is the voice and the face of a one Matt Lieb, comedian, writer. You've seen him on Good Mythical Morning. You've heard his podcast, Pod Yourself a Gun, mm-hmm. uh, the only Sopranos podcast. Mm-hmm. The only um, one. New York Times uh, recently put out an article saying we are very popular. Very cool. As compared to another Sopranos podcast that has no listeners. Yeah. But still. Weird move for them to be like, this This podcast has three listeners. Yeah, but this one yeah. has 16. So I'm the 16 one. No big deal. But happy to be here. So good to have you. Also, he's my betrothed. That's right. The betrothed room. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll see myself out. You need to leave. Bring Chitty in here. Yeah, yeah. The, Ch- Chitty's gonna tag in. The Chitty is, I think, a, a much more pleasant presence than I am uh, on the show. But you know, I'm here. She doesn't like it. She can't even talk. We all like it. She can't talk. No, she, she, she's got. If she could, though, she'd be like, "Qanon is real." Like she wouldn't. She would definitely be she, like a a, a cute. Our cat. cat is definitely got like hundred percent, hundred percent mega cute. cat. Yeah, mega mm-hmm. vibes. Definitely. Just trying to murder birds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Being yeah. like, they will not replace us. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's <laughs> staged uh, like rallies on our lawn. With- Blood and soil. As <laughs> she's just like you know doing biscuits in the soil. That's so messed up. No, Chitty's an anarchist. Everyone. Yeah, she's cool. Everyone knows. She's she's like hella cool. Um, You guys, if you're here on YouTube, make sure you're liking the stream. Make sure you are sharing it right now with all the people who follow you. Uh, and also subscribing. If you haven't already subscribed, what are you doing? That's right. This is a wonderful stream. This is a wonderful show. People love it. Very popular. If you're on Twitch, subscribe as well. Uh, give us the those Bezos bucks. And also, if you're listening as a podcast... Do we make it in the, you know, ensuing time between when we record and when you listen? Right. Are we dead now? Yeah. That's going to happen at some point. Yeah. And before you die, did you say, well, at least I left Francesca a five-star review? Mm, You know? Yeah. There's one thing that I did with my life. It couldn't stop fascism. Mm, No. Too hard. Too Very, very hard. But I could help the podcast store algorithm. (laughs) Yes. I assume. That's all I want. Um, And the reason you do that is because this show is the bomb and i am old oh, no. <laughs> uh, both no, of those reasons both of those reasons we got such a good show for you guys today um john nichols is here of the nation magazine he is going to talk to us all about what's going on in congress the different the biff bill the bbb bill whatever other terrible acronym kind of bill uh and uh we're going to also talk about the electoral losses this week fun from a lot of the centrist dems the shenanigans pulled in Buffalo um, against India Walton. What is his take? What, you know, he's been studying the Democratic Party for many, many years now. And like, what's what's real at this point? Whose analysis is right? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Who's right? Who's wrong? We're drawing lines in the sand, people. Also, uh, 
after this show, Matt and I are continuing on to talk about a one Aaron Rodgers of the NFL. Fun. And his relationship to, to crystals, the truth and uh, clay. Mm-hmm. And uh, also um, Joe Rogan, who apparently is now like a medicine woman of sorts. Yeah. 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 And so uh, Joe Rogan's also been helping out a right winger uh, named Tim pool, who has like a very popular YouTube show. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's a, he's a very uh, famous um guy who's wrong on the internet He's a very famous adolescent mm-hmm. on the internet yeah, yeah. a perfectly round head uh yeah. and uh, just a spherical brain it's like a it's like a christmas ornament yeah yeah it's, it's like, like what, a christmas ornament of racism smooth like a marble yeah, yeah you know he's got that you know great marble brain that and all of his thoughts are just like um you know what i mean he's like one of those guys who just he's all like your, like your a, base instinct. He's a long lost. Uh, well, I can't. I mean, just get an abortion as soon as you get pregnant. I don't understand why weeks matter. Uh, he, he is kind of like a long lost uh, South Park cartoon. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, he really he is. A beanie and everything. He's yeah. like one of the he's, radicalized. He's like whenever South Park did Canadians and like half their head would pop up. And that's <laughs> yeah. how they talk. Like, ah, hey, buddy. Like he's that except for like a fascist. Yeah, except for a millionaire probably. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so that happens after the show. And you can watch and join us for that or listen back as a podcast by going to patreon.com slash situation room. Become a patron, guys. Even two bucks, five bucks, ten dollars gets you a shout out during the fart song, the ceremonial <laughs> fart song. Love the uh, fart song. Every single week. Uh, so, so, hey, head over there. And also, if you don't mess with Patreon, that's fine. You can tip the show, Venmo, TBR-Live, Cash App, TBR-Live. And lastly, before we get into the show, we have a raffle going on. And it's for uh, one lucky viewer, one lucky member of the Frantifa, who has a piece of merch, whether it's a tote bag or a shirt. um, That's all we got. Or a sticker. Three things. Three things. And you take a picture of it. And you hashtag Frantifa swag and we'll retweet it. And at the end of November, we're going to draw a name and I've decided on what the prize is. There's going to be a couple other stickers. So maybe don't get a sticker. Although the point is, so there's going to a couple other stickers and then three books, three of my favorite books, brand new, uh, Revolution in the Air, How to Change Everything by Naomi Klein, um, and a book actually that I contributed to that's really good um, called We Own the Future, and it's all about democratic socialism in the 21st century. A bunch of awesome writers and thinkers who've contributed to that. I wrote a whole piece about the arts. It's and- a great chapter. Thank you. It's the only chapter I read in the book. I know. Yeah. I know it is. Out of support. Because I'm because I usually don't read words. No, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, listen to them. If don't there was an audio book of it, I'd listen to the whole thing. But who has time to read with their eyes these days? <laughs> I don't. I got golfing to do. God, that is my future. <laughs> I started playing golf again. Okay, nobody cares. <laughs> All right, it's really fun. So anyway. Hashtag us that you get those three books. That's a something dollar value. And they're like my favorite and they're great. And you can read them, keep them, gift them, whatever. You don't even have to read them. Exactly. Stop. I mean, you should read them, but I'm just saying you could just have them. Yeah. What you do with them? Have them and put them on the back of your shelf. Yeah. Just like look smart. That's what we do. You know, and then they room rate you. I'm like, oh my God, the person's a total socialist. (laughs) You're still mad about the room rating. I'm not mad about the room rating. (laughs) I got seven and a half. Stars out of 10 or whatever. She blames me for the room rating no, because I, I got a PS5 
and one of the cords was sticking out that like charges the controller and, and I, she I got, got docked. Got she docked got docked for that. And she's like cord management wasn't good enough. You didn't even you didn't even know Room Raider was a thing until you got the Raider. I've known Room Raider was okay. a thing well. for many, many months. <laughs> sure. Or weeks or days. That's not the point. The point is, is that if you're listening, Room Raider, we fix the cord. So bump that up or else I'm never going to hear the end of it. <laughs> All right, you guys, let's move on to our first segment. All y'all in the comments. Thank you guys for being here. Um, we start every show off the same way, which is asking, what are you bitching about? This is what are you bitching about? Hmm. So. Um, mm, 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 what are you mm, bitching about, mm, Francesca? Mm. I got something. Okay. And uh, since it's my show, I'm going to go first. Yeah, you're, you're allowed. So, Ladies first. Lady, obviously. I'm a gentleman. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so, okay. Once in a while, um, there's an extra terrible New York Times opinion piece. Mm. Uh, you, usually, they're always pretty bad yeah um consistently consistently bad yeah. but the one who sort of always has the worst takes and especially after a week like this with some democratic losses you know um the the build back better act being sort of punted mm -hmm. while the infrastructure bill was voted up yep um and that the author is always maureen dowd mm -hmm. who is a columnist who's been there for i don't know half or like the whole half her life at all forever Ever since i was a child i feel like i've uh heard the name maureen dowd for she, my whole life she's been there forever and she's a consistently like esoteric elitist writer mm -hmm. who has just like the worst um metaphors and sort mm -hmm. of always like flexing that she has like an english degree or whatever the hell i don't yeah. like i don't care yeah i'm sorry and not to mention her politics are trash and she has the worst opinions and so this week she had uh this headline, Wokeness Derails the Democrats. <sighs> Fun. So here you have a supposedly liberal publication just kind of doubling down on what all Republicans think, which is mm -hmm. wokeness, whatever the hell that means. Yeah. Uh, being politically correct, using someone's proper gender pronouns. Right. Uh, not wanting to be shot by the police right not wanting the environment to go up in flames yeah and people to be displaced yeah yeah so that's all wokeness and it's mm -hmm. really derailing the dems because they were doing so well i don't oh, know yeah. if you knew this oh great crushing it yeah. before that and so she kind of she goes through this whole article and you're like oh my god and the the title is a little bit more incendiary than the actual piece of course but she basically says that James Carville, who we all know. Oh, genius. Is, Everyone loves him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The uh, I mean. Yeah. Just Louisiana Skeletor. Just a, exactly. Louisiana uh, elitist Skeletor. Uh, I'm here to talk about how I one time got Bill Clinton elected and pretty much ruined liberal democracies. Ever after <laughs> I mean, here's my thing. I'm trying to get back to yeah. Clinton and uh, I will be wearing my college sweatshirt yeah, yeah. in every single interview. And yes, I make. Five thousand dollars in appearance. Oh, them yeah. progressives—they they like a crawl dad caught in a bird trap. You know what I mean? It's like what the fuck? I are wish you talking he about? said that, dude. <laughs> so she says, "There's some truth in what James Carville told Judy Woodruff." Quote: "What went wrong is this stupid." Okay, Matt, do the do it. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> what went wrong was this stupid wokeness. Don't just look at Virginia and New Jersey. Look at Long Island. Look at Buffalo. Look at Minneapolis. Even look at Seattle. Wash. 
I mean, <laughs> this defund the police lunacy. This take that Abraham Lincoln's name. This this take Abraham Lincoln name off schools. This take Abraham Lincoln's name off the schools. Yeah, like the idea that we would. Which, by the way, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I haven't heard. Of I've not heard trying anyone take- trying to take Abraham Lincoln's name off of a school. Oh, fuck! I swear they just make up new ones. Like, what would piss me off? They They're really- canceling the whole Civil War. Like, yeah. no, man. <laughs> The Civil War was about canceling the fucking Confederacy right. anyway. So she's quoting him. Then she's quoting probably a, a, a centrist Republican uh, in, excuse me, a centrist representative in Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, uh, bu- 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 there we are saying there's something truth in what Representative Abigail Spanberger, a moderate Virginia Democrat in a tough reelection battle, told the Times is Jonathan Martin and Alexander Burns about the president. Nobody elected him to be FDR. They elected him to be normal and stop the chaos. And then she continues and says, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi hail the bill. This is obviously about the the infrastructure bill as transformational. But what are you transforming into? The election cratering shows that such overweening efforts are putting off many voters who are still struggling just to get by as they move beyond the degradation wrought by Trump and COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to, <laughs> trying to help those workers uh, is just wokeness. You know, when like, trying to do social programs for those workers, that's just wokeness straight up. Stop trying to do social programs. Workers are struggling. What the fuck, what the are, you fuck talking are you talking about? Talking and, about? and this pivots and p- puts Pelosi and Schumer somehow in like too far left. Oh, they're focusing on getting things done. What we need to focus on is telling everyone everything's normal. Yeah, yeah. Everything's cool now. We didn't elect him to be FDR. We elected him to do nothing is basically what they're Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. We elected him to just sort of like, yeah, brush our hair and tell us everything's mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Yeah, you're so then, pretty. Yeah, you know. America's pretty now, I mean, man. America's Come so on, pretty. Man. We're great. Beautiful, man. No attention to what just happened. No, man, this is like our one shot to prevent actual fascism from coming back. Mm -hmm. And and look, you can argue whether the calculation was right, in my mind, to do one of two things. Either focus on what happened on January 6th and focus on voting rights and protecting the election. That is an argument to be like, yes, we need to do legislative things, but you should focus on that stuff maybe first. Mm -hmm. But- but but Biden is actually trying to move back to normalcy by by trying to get stuff done. And he's not really looking backwards and trying to hold Trump accountable. He's trying to deliver and make his own legacy. Right. Right. Um, so, so just like this is par for the course for Dowd, who in another in another op ed. And I think I've talked about this on the show. Oh, before, this is the worst op ed of all time. Talks about how Kirsten Cinema stars in her own film. Yeah. You know. She's not a holdout when it comes to the $15 minimum wage or anything. She's just, quote, like the original Sphinx. The Phoenix Sphinx is blocking the way until those who would move ahead solve her riddle. God, she's so horny on Maine for moderate Dems. It's insane. This is the most horny article I have ever seen. Somehow we've gotten ourselves into a perverse situation where cinema and Joe Manchin rule the world. And it's confounding that these two people have so much sway. As Hemingway wondered in the snows of Kilimanjaro, what are those leopards doing at this altitude? Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck. Stop. Uh. Please don't. I don't care that you read Hemingway. I don't care. (laughs) If anyone says Kilimanjaro to me, I'm like immediately not (laughs) listening. (laughs) But, you know, and she's not wrong in that case, but it's the way that she lays all this out. It's the way that she like. And and people, you know, what people do is they'll just read the headline. Cinema stars in her own 
silent film, which means like, oh, wow, cinema is a boss bitch. You know, she's a right. girl boss. Yeah, yeah. And then read the wokeness is derailing the Democrats. Like, yes, totally. Yeah. Pronouns. Yeah. It, anyway, so I'm just I'm just railing against how bad these New York Times opinion pieces are. Sometimes there's some some of them are getting better, mm-hmm. but uh, oh, yeah, it's just it's just so annoying because of the fact that you've got like this. You didn't even have to wait for something to happen to write that article. You know what I mean? That's yeah. a take you have lying in wait. How am I going to blame the progressives for the something that is ostensibly the fault of? the democratic establishment i mean in these elections that they lost you you the buck stops there i'm sorry the idea that the buck would somehow stop with like some you know progressive candidate who's not in office and being like oh you know uh, people the reason that uh you know the socialist lost in buffalo is because people just hate aoc it's like aoc has not like what yeah, the hell or, are you talking because, about because or it's because people had a, a you know a defund the police sign like the reason right, right. that it's the reason that Walton lost in Buffalo is because the fucking democratic machinery Mm -hmm. threw down for Byron Brown. Exactly. And all the, you know, uh, all the money that the party had went to him and went to the write-in campaign, which is absurd. Let's talk about a lack of unity. Right. Talk about a lack of support for the person who rightfully won the primary. Mm -hmm. That's sick. That's very, very wrong. I mean, it's wrong. I mean, it just shows you where the democratic establishment's heart lies. It really has nothing to do. Like a primary process is like if it can't be rigged, then well, fuck it. We'll totally. just go over their heads because it has nothing to do with like party loyalty. If you won the party, then you are the person who represents the party. That's how primaries work. Right. And the idea that they would go around that just you know it just makes it obvious that really. Their goal isn't, um, oh, party unity and supporting the party. Vote blue no matter what. It's like, oh, no, no, no. Vote moderate. Vote center right no matter what. And, yeah. uh, and you know, they, they just show so little faith in anyone who actually has any ideas or stands for anything. That uh, I mean, the idea that you would in any way blame wokeness for the fact that, you know, uh, the Build Back Better bill is going to end up being completely thrown out is like, are you, are ins- you you're ins- how can you, you haven't you- been paying attention to anything this is your job and you wrote an article being like man kristen cinema is so hot like f- <laughs> yeah. fuck Look you at her in her blue wig yeah. matt leave what are you bitching about let's make it quick because we got to move fast i honestly at this point i'm bitching about exactly what you're bitching about because I before i was gonna say no nah, things are chill uh the only thing i was really bitching about is uh the smog in la is back mm. um so uh i've been breathing in bad air and so that's that kind of sucks. It does suck. Other than that, though, it um, was, you feel like it was because it got better with admission standards. It did a long time ago. Uh, it, it L.A. started. There used to be smog days. There'd be days where would be like, hey, we're not we're eating, you know, lunch inside of our classrooms because the smog will kill you. Jesus. And then that stopped. And then the pandemic, everything kind of cleared up because people stopped driving. And I think the pandemic in LA is now um, it's back to being a smog pandemic. So we did it, America. We, we did it, but yeah. All right. Well, um, that's a good thing to bitch about. Yeah. We got to get into the week guys. Mm. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. Um, a lot of things happened this week and I wrote them down very quickly. Uh, this week, at least 10 Republicans who were at the January 6th rally were elected to office around the country. Because if there's one thing white people are still good at, it's failing up. Mm-hmm. So chin up, Caucasians. <laughs> yeah. You still got it. All right. Uh, uh, taxi cab drivers won an incredible victory in New York. 
to be able to restructure their medallion coin loans so that no one would owe more than $170,000 of debt, which is still a lot, but it's not like multiple millions. Um, eight people were sadly trampled to death and dozens injured at a Travis Scott concert. Yeah. Uh, who's to blame? Probably Live Nation's greed and their crap security, but it could also be that awful rap music. That's what will end up being blamed, 100%. People are all, I'm already seeing it. What are they even saying? So people keep saying there's some demonic stuff happening there. And it's like, it's a concert. Demonic stuff is part of it. <laughs> I went to see Knot Fest. That was a Slipknot festival with all their all the best new metal bands out there. Damn, dude, you just said that out loud. So it was amazing. People are watching. This. Not Fest ruled. It was so much fun. Shout out to Slipknot. Uh, and they're literally, they dress like demons. Mm-hmm. And there was no trampling. It was absolutely know. Live Nation and the security. Whatever they were skimping on, that's their fault. And Lauren Boebert wore a dress that said, let's go Brandon on the back of it in the saddest attempt to trigger the libs and bite off AOC since she actually tried to bite the congresswoman in a restroom once. Uh, actually, she just licked her. She wanted to smell her. Uh, and she just smelled so good and socialist. And mm. like maybe she's also in love with her. But Yeah. I mean, she's definitely... There's a lot of horniness for AOC when it comes to like Bobert and like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like they're just like, oh, she's so little and cute. And But if just, I were a lesbian... Yeah, I'm not. I'm against it. I think it's evil. But also, I think I would try it like in another universe where that was okay. And if like God was like, yeah, go ahead. If it was part of the Second Amendment, right to bear arms and the right to like, you know, try some same sex relationships for like a week or two, you know, just a long, long term vacation with a friend. See what happens, you know, go to Sandals, Jamaica. Then I would do it. But no, we don't live in that world. For everything else, this is the week where. This was the week where off-brand Fox Channel Newsmax uh, is instituting vaccine mandates for employers so that the staff can safely spittle anti-vax propaganda into the world from a COVID-free studio environment. Mm, Bless them. Bless them for doing so, you know, because it's like, you know, they spent a lot of time pretending like this isn't something that they've already done. Because here's, let's be honest. I would say 90% of the Newsmax like employees uh, and like anchors, they're all vaxxed. They all pretend not to be vaxxed, to, you know, to make that money, but they're vaxxed. Now, now they're going to all pretend like, oh, man, now I got to go get a vax. They're getting boosters. Yeah, they're, all, they're on their four shots. They're definitely. So the conservative news network informed staffers of the move on Thursday in a staff-wide email obtained by media. Newsmax cited the implementation of COVID rules by OSHA. As a reason for instituting the mandate. You mean the government? <laughs> you mean the socialist, commie, OSHA getting up in my business? Um, <clears throat> the company decree requires all employees to be vac- fully vaccinated by January 4th, 2022. Mm. Or else they'll be forced to undergo a weekly COVID test. To ensure that we are in compliance, we require all vaccinated employees to submit a copy of their vaccination card. The email informs staff. Oh, it's just a copy. Yeah, they can fake it easily. They totally can, and a, a bunch of them will. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, but on Thursday night, Newsmax host Steve Cortez no- notably railed against mandates, calling them an example of dictatorial rule under President Biden. There is zero 
I mean, zero moral or ethical obligation for anyone to be compelled to get vaccinated, Cortez said. He added that mandates are insane workplace discrimination. Mm, And yes, I will comply with them in this case. (laughs) But I won't like it. Yeah. I won't be mad. I, well, I won't quit my job, but you, yeah. you should quit yours. I do love that. He's like, this is workplace discrimination, which, as you know, I am for. So I will be taking the vaccine. And as you know, yeah. uh, the black uh, employee did steal from mm-hmm. the company. Yeah, we all know we it. We all know it. We all, he looked like he did. I love discrimination in the workplace, so I'm going to have to do this. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this is the same. Everyone else can do it. Can't, like, like until it applies to me, I hate it, right? right yeah. So abortion is murder unless mm-hmm. my mistress is pregnant. Right, yeah. Cancel culture is the worst unless we're canceling critical race theory. Right, exactly. Like, abortion is bad. Unless, well, all the reasons that these guys secretly get abortion. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's all bullshit. It's Apparently, all bullshit. Dan Bongino is also in, in like, he's like, I'm oh, not going to work uh, at whatever yeah, he, he, podcast company he right, works for. Yeah, it was like some, it's some huge media company that like uh, technically is the father company what do you what do you call it father company? parent company parent company yeah, yeah. mother company <laughs> it's the mother father company of uh, of his podcast and he's just like i'm going out on my own man and uh you know hey good for him man let him Th- that guy you know he's putting out content every day you can't hate there's enough supplements i'm sure he could get yeah you know, advertisers yeah get that paste <laughs> Get that horse get paste. get that horse paste. Oh, you know what's oh, so funny about the horse the horse paste um like i don't know discourse is that like when you call it horse paste horse discourse the horse ho- a horse's discourse of course horse, of, of course, course. <laughs> uh is that like as soon as you make a horse paste joke people are like actually no there is ivermectin pills and it's like pigs take it too yeah and, well, and it's like humans do take ivermectin it is something that you can get from a doctor for humans but i just think the reason i say it is because you're so mad Every time I say you take horse paste and I'm going to keep doing it. Exactly. So please be mad about it because uh, it just is very funny. Uh, meanwhile, Rupert Murdoch, uh, the head of News Corps and the Galactic Senate is dead, had a 90th mm. birthday party and wait for it, checked vax cards and swabbed noses at the door. Wow. Yes. Uh, This, as every night, Fox News hosts are sowing mistrust in the vaccine. And let me just tell you guys, uh, these people hate the vaccine because, one, it's good for ratings, obviously, to hate the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And two, it keeps poor people alive. Yeah. And they fucking hate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, They want so many people. We're always like, why would they tell people anything contrary to their base? It's because they don't care about your life. Yeah. They want you to die. They want you to be so sickly. And then they want you to sell, to sell you shit. Yeah. They want to profit off of your death, which is very Yeah. Fun. And the fact that he's not invested in Pfizer or Moderna. And so he's mad. Yeah. 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 Um, but my question is, what happens at Rupert Murdoch's birthday party? Does Murdoch say, let them eat cake when he blows out the candles? <laughs> uh, and everyone's like, oh. <laughs> there's definitely human sacrifice for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah there's There's some sort of like. You know, uh, there's a room with a blood boy. Yeah, there's a Baphomet like goat demon uh, statue that everyone dances like naked around. And, uh, you know, they all just kind of spout right wing talking. Points. Yeah, it's it's like eyes wide shut, but with 
longer balls. Right. <laughs> just long ball eyes wide. <laughs> balls, balls wide, long. I don't know. There's something there. <laughs> balls wide, long. That's fun. Um, yeah. I mean, it. W- I would love to go. I would love to go to Rupert Murdoch's birthday party. I you hope he comes that- out of a cake naked. You know what oh. I mean? Just like full on, just old skin, mm-hmm. just kind of flapping in the wind, you know? Yeah, and everyone's got to be like, oh my Looks God. Looks like fucking like Zoidberg out of his shell. That would, that would rule. Um, I don't know what that is. What's a Zoidberg? Oh, it's uh, from Futurama. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it. I know what it is. It's very hard to get Francesca to watch a cartoon with me. She won't do it. What do you do? I watch Big Mouth with you. You did. You did. You watch Big I Mouth. I like Big Mouth. All right, moving on. <clears throat> In other news. Less fun, but this was the week where the trial opened for the far right's favorite little murderer, (laughs) Kyle Rittenhouse, Mm. who killed two people in Kenosha, Wisconsin, in the protest that ensued after the police shooting of Jacob Blake. And of course, like every murder trial involving a white shooter, the onus is somehow on the victim or victims who are dead to prove that they did not cause the murderer to murder them. Which is very is not easy. Hard to prove when they were murdered by yeah. someone who is when they can't technically a murderer when they're not alive. Yeah, anyway, they're not. Yeah, but hey, they try. Uh, these victims, uh, for a change, are in fact white. Um, they're two of them, and the the main the first victim is uh, Joseph Rosenbaum, and this is sort of like this big discussion, right? Was Rosenbaum charging at Kyle Rittenhouse? Right. What happened that caused him to shoot? Um, and it seems like nothing, according to uh, multiple accounts. But first, let's just read the charges. So Rittenhouse is facing seven charges, including two counts of homicide, one reckless and one intentional, which, once again, getting into homicide, reckless and intentional. You're just like, OK. And two counts of recklessly endangering safety. He has pleaded not guilty to all charges. Mm-hmm. That's how you know you've got a political movement behind you. Yeah. Um, fucking nothing. Not a plea deal. Nothing. Just not guilty. My God. Um, so what's interesting about this is that the prosecution has called other militiamen in to testify hmm. as to like they watch videos and see like if they thought that Rosenbaum, who was one of the, the victims, yeah. was a threat or not, which is sort of a bizarre move. But it was like. So, okay, so they called uh, two self-styled militiamen in Kenosha uh, who were there that night um, with the intention of protecting local businesses. That included a guy named Ryan Balk, who described Rittenhouse as, quote, a little under-equipped and a little under-experienced. First of all, he had an AR-15, so I don't know if he was under-equipped. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe his mental capacity, obviously. He was not fully equipped, like, you know, brain-wise, but... He definitely had, I mean, he had a gun. Yeah. Very, very big gun. Yes. Okay. So um, one of them is a another another guy is a former Marine rifleman named Jason Lakowski, who was standing with Rittenhouse in the moments leading up to the shooting. And Lakowski, this is bizarre, describes using a shout, shove, show, shoot oh, philosophy. Oh, the four night. S's. Yeah. Four, yeah. Convenient. Um, again, this is a militia guy on the streets trying to basically patrol BLM like demonstrators people right. who are mad about Jacob Blake being shot. Yeah. Uh, first, he would try shouting at them. If that didn't work, then he would shove them, then show his weapon, then finally shoot his weapon. Cool, cool, cool. Let's investigate this guy, yeah. too. Yeah. But Lakowski testified that he never felt the need to pro- progress past the shout 
part that night during his encounter with Rosenbaum shortly before Ryan uh, Rittenhouse shot him. And so, in other words, he didn't think that Rosenbaum was being a threat. Right. Which, again, this is all insane that we have to litigate or that they're litigating the character uh, or how all this went down. But, of course, it's a trial. Right. Um, the thing everyone has been talking about, and we're going to talk about it here, that is very significant, is that apparently these two victims are not, in fact, victims. They're inside the courtroom. The judges said that, in fact, no one is allowed to refer to them as victims. Which is um, insane. So in the trial, when the trial opened, one word would not be allowed to describe those who were shot. Victims. Uh, this is the, as the judge set grounds uh, ground rules for the trial. Schroeder said this week that the label "victim" is a loaded word, and that even the use of "alleged victim" is too close. Telling prosecutors that complaining witness or dissident, dissident, are acceptable alternatives. What about dead guy? The dead guy. Yeah, uh, that dead guy who died somehow over there. I don't know how he died. He just dropped dead. Well, he just dropped dead. Some people just all of a sudden they grow a bullet inside of their body and they <laughs> die. Everyone knows that, you know. It's just part of it. Just like, oh no, you when, know. When you're a bad person, that's what yeah, happens. Yeah. Oh, a bullet inside of me. That happens. It's organic. It's science. <laughs> um. However, Schroeder, the judge, ordered that other words could be used, like rioters, looters, or arsonists. If Rittenhouse's defense attorneys can provide the evidence that they engaged in those acts. <laughs> so I think we got a problem with the judge here. Oh, it's going to be a fun trial. That's, you know, it's going to be, uh, I'm just so over hoping that the criminal justice system is ever going to do anything right. Yes. It's just like, oh, this is, I just expect this now. Everyone's just going to be like, well, we gave you Chauvin. Yeah, yeah that's oh, exactly right. Oh my God. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, because we had 100% of that murder on tape. It's like, all right, let's give it to him. Even though actually, no, usually even that doesn't help. Even that doesn't help. And there is another case that was going into trial this week. Um, mm -hmm. This was also the week where the trial of the three men who killed unarmed 25-year-old Ahmad Arbery in Brunswick, Georgia, began. Uh, and that trial has its own issues as well. Um, because as it turns out, there is only one black jurist out of 12. One. And uh, that is insane. So it seems like the judge also knows that. So after a long and contentious jury selection process in the coastal Georgia county in preparation for the trial... A panel of 12 people was chosen Wednesday consisting of one black member and 11 white members. The jury was selected after two and a half week selection process that ended with prosecutors for the state accusing defense attorneys of disproportionately striking qualified black jurors and basing some of their strikes on race. No. Then the judge. Ooh, what did the judge say? Timothy Walmsley said the defense appeared to be discriminatory in selecting the jury, but that the case could go forward. Well, he's just one man. What could one man do in the face of all of this injustice, even though he is literally a justice? The, the, <laughs> there is discrimination here. Anyway, doopy yeah. doo. Like, you know, there's well something, done. something fishy about this, but uh, I don't know. Let's just go for it. Fuck it. Let's see what happens. Roll the dice. I feel like the criminal justice system might yeah. be a little someone's, racist. Someone's got to do something about this, man. Who can stop Anyways, this? order in the court. We're starting. <laughs> like, <laughs> motherfucker, God. you're a judge. You can decide. 
So insane. Uh, it's just, oh, just every time, dude, every fucking time that you just like, you expect, you expect it now. You just expect like, oh, what kind of fuckery are we going to see yes. in the criminal justice system for these absolutely public cases? One black juror, 11 white jurors for this case. Are you in like at that point? It's like, well, one is okay. Two is woke. Three yeah, exactly. is cancel culture. Yeah. <laughs> Four is a riot. <laughs> like these guys, they just came. They're like one. Well, that's fine as long as they're vastly outnumbered. Four jurors is a riot. Yeah, exactly. Four black jurors is a riot. I feel attacked. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> you know, this is uh, this is just how it is. All right. Well, I say that's so defeated. I'm sorry. This is not supposed to be a defeated podcast. No, we should do something. Go out on the joke, Matt. Okay. We got to move on. We're breaking uh, everything down that happened this week. Or just sort of what should we be taking away from some of these losses uh, for Democrats? How is the media taking it? Um, And also about um, the BIF and the BBB and the future of infrastructure uh, this is the sitch. And joining us for the sitch, he is the national affairs correspondent at The Nation and author of The Fight for the Soul of the Democratic Party. Please welcome John Nichols. Hey, it's good to be with you both. Hey. Oh my gosh, John, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> good. Thank you so much for being here and for staying up and doing this. You know, there isn't that much going on on Sunday night. I know. There's this show. <laughs> it's this, show. this is the only thing. I mean, it's me. really, yeah. It, it, you kind of, it's, it's, it's really this, or you know, darning socks, right? Yeah, that's all I do. I know you darning. That. I, I tried to speak to something that would relate to your experience, John. Yes. There's been a lot of hand wringing, obviously, over the electoral losses this week, especially in Virginia, right? And McAuliffe um, being defeated uh, by Youngkin, who's like, yeah, essentially a Trumpkin. And it's it's like it's just like people don't know where to who to blame. And it seems like a lot of the media has been blaming progressives. And, and you know, obviously you've got um, Carville out there saying it's it's the wokeness. It's whatever. It's the fact, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what do you take away from these elections? And should we be what are you what's your sort of line from looking at this past week? Well, look, um, it wasn't good. Um, and I think you start with that. I, I, I think we have to be a little bit honest about about defeat. And mm-hmm. uh, and what happened on Tuesday night was not a particularly good night for Democrats. Remember, Democrats have been on a roll since 2017. Trump got elected and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, that's what a Republican is. And so 2017 elections, great for Democrats. 2018, very good for Democrats. 2019, very good for Democrats. 2020, they take the presidency in the White House. So, you know, you're in this, I think people got very, very used to uh, pretty good election nights after 2016. This was much more of a normal one. This is how it goes. You know, when you've got a, a Democratic president in office, usually the next election, Republicans make a bit of a comeback. And if we had a media in this country that actually covered politics, people would understand it as such. But what we have in America is a media that covers gossip, right? It's like, um, you know, Josh Hawley looked at me wrong. And Mm -hmm. and so... uh, Yeah, it's the horse race, right? It's like, oh my God. If it was only the horse race, that would be great. 
That yeah. would be wonderful. No, no, no. This <laughs> it's is, palace intrigue. It's where, yeah, it's just stupidity. It's yeah. like, it's like, I think I saw something over there that scares me. And yeah. so, I mean, imagine this. If on election night they counted all the votes and then they announced who had won, the narrative of Tuesday night would be 100% different. Because mm-hmm. on Tuesday night, it was like, oh, Virginia went bad. And oh my gosh, New Jersey, where we didn't even cover anything, that looks to be going bad too. So the whole thing's down the drain. It's it, Democrats have been defeated. Democrats are ruined forever. They will never, ever win another election. Right. Right? That was the Just the for, mood for the sake Tuesday of night. drama. Yeah. yeah. And then, then sometime on Wednesday, you realize, oh, the Democrat won in New Jersey. And he didn't actually just win by a little. It looks like he's going to win by 75,000 votes or so. In fact, he won by more than the Republican did in Virginia. And so what you have then is not a great night for Democrats. Yep. You know, you, you have a split decision. And the interesting thing about it is that that sort of plays out across the whole country. Uh, it was, it's clear that, that the pundit class was desperate to have a certain result, right? They're mm-hmm. desperate to have a result. And so they're going to make it no matter what. So it's like Democrats, they're destroyed. And this whole reform the police thing, that's down the drain, too, because Minneapolis didn't vote for a referendum to get rid of the police department and change yes. to a uh, public safety department. Well, right. yeah, but this new idea that just came along, that's really been developed only in, in recent years, uh, gets 44 percent of the vote. It's that's huge. Incredible. For, incredible. Yeah, it's a very big. That's thing. the story, right? Well, then there's another one, too. Austin, Texas, down in Austin. The police are feeling all excited and they're like, oh, everybody's anti-change uh, now. Everybody's concerned about crime. So they put a referendum on the ballot, the police union down there, to increase the size of the police force, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you're buying into this line, that that should have just won, you know, going away. No. In Austin, they organized. They campaigned hard. It was a, it was a tough race. Uh, they beat the proposal to increase the size of the police force. By 68% to 32%. Wow. So if we're looking around the country, if we're saying, okay, let's take it all in. Let's try and get a picture. We say, yeah, Minneapolis didn't quite make it. But boy, down in Austin, they overwhelmingly reject increasing the size of the police department because they think that money ought to be spent on human needs, human services, et cetera. I'll give you one last example and then stop pontificating. But um, they say, oh, well, the mayoral races, there you go. People have rejected the the left. They've rejected progressives. India Walton, she got beat up in uh, Buffalo, New York. Progressive, young, uh, black candidate who had won her own nomination. Her own party lets her down. The Democratic governor doesn't back her. She gets beat. So that's it. Nobody likes progressives. And then New York City, they elect Eric Adams, and he's centrist and stuff like that. So nobody likes progressives. So it's all over. Oh, I guess we forgot to cover Boston, Mm -hmm. where Michelle Wu... A yes. young, brilliant woman, first first woman mayor of Boston, first Asian American mayor of Boston, first person of color to be elected mayor of Boston, runs, runs on reforming policing in a mm-hmm. city where the cops are kind of tough. Yeah. And and announces at her victory party where she wins overwhelmingly uh, that Boston is now a Green New Deal city. Yes. So. I guess my point on this is not to be rose-colored glasses or naive. It was a bad election. 
for Democrats. It wasn't great. They didn't win all over. They didn't have the, the what they had in 2018 or something like that. But if you step away and you kind of look at it realistically, what you realize is that it was a classic mixed election with a lot of distinct results and some of them actually kind of good for progressives. Thank you for that. That is it's so important to have that perspective and understanding and like look at local elections. And yes. And uh, again, also the, the first Muslim American woman elected to the New York city uh, council. Um, and like, can I get throw two more in for you? Yeah. Sure. Just fun. I mean, I apologize for going on. And no, on. no, they make me feel better. Yeah, no, we yeah, need, I like it. I, need I do this. for a living. I, it's a good, yeah. um, and so, you know, Eric Adams gets elected mayor of New York and everybody's like, Oh wow. The centrist guy who like, Right, kind of not as tough on police reform, not a very kind of corporate guy, stuff like that. So that's over. New York City is now, you know, it's like it's Fargo East, right? It's a it's a conservative town now, except Mm -hmm. that Jumani Williams, who's the public advocate in New York, also running citywide, gets reelected with a larger percentage of the vote than Eric Adams. And Jumani Williams is a total progressive member of DSA you know, yeah. a lefty. And you think, okay, well, that's one off. That's one off. Okay. No, no, no. Brad Lander, who's running for comptroller of the big financial office in New York City, also a citywide race. He wins with an even bigger percentage than Eric Adams or Jumani Williams on a campaign that's economic and social and racial justice, save the planet, use the finances of the city to invest in, in ethical things and create a public bank to take on Wall Street. I mean, again, it is as if the media is a little myopic and biased. (laughs) They are. (laughs) And I think that's the other thing that we have to remember as progressives and people who want to see these kinds of wins are that there is so much investment in um, keeping us feeling marginalized and more so. And so um, I kind of you know, and it it moves into what we're going to talk about in terms of the Build Back Better Act and such. But like it is to even have like a squad is yeah. huge. Right. Yes. And and they are growing to even have the Congressional Progress- Progressive Caucus attempt to flex. I have some critiques of how they might have let the struggle go in terms of these negotiations but they were not even a body or a force to be reckoned with. And now they are. So it's like, there is so much invested in our own cynicism, everyone in the media, they don't want to cover your race. They don't want to cover these wins also because they kind of are okay. Just having it be a palace intrigue kind of elitist dog and pony show. Mm -hmm. And if you're cynical and you don't, you know, you know, then that's great. Then that, Oh my God, stay home. Don't vote. Don't get involved. You know? And I'm not saying that, that's on pundits. I'm not saying that's on like any particular person, but that is the way the media apparatus, the mainstream media apparatus in this country works. And of course it's based on who funds them. Well, it's also that they, they, they seem to see the the notion of responsible journalism as policing the process. Mm -hmm. Don't get too excited. Right. Don't, don't actually, you know, like try to change things. Like, like don't think that democracy might actually matter and you could, you could see a problem and fix it. Right. No, 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 no. That's that's crazy talk. What you want to do is just kind of elect somebody who's maybe a little different this time. And then we'll elect somebody who's a little different the next time. But not you don't want any people. You don't want people to start getting excited about democracy. And we have turnouts like they have same yeah. level as in Germany or someplace like that. 
Um, no. And, and also it's like, it's also if it bleeds, it leads type thing. Right. And so yeah. there's more drama if it's like, oh, they're failing and it's terrible and everyone's fighting and they're like, <laughs> yes. I mean, I feel like the media does, you know, as much as I want them to give me a job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're blowing it here. Yeah. Blow, I mean so, nothing. Yeah, all yeah. This, I'll leave all this. I'll behind. make sure she changes every opinion if just you just give her a show. Give, give me we, the tape. Exactly. I am so ready to just have her sell out. Please. Sellouts no. are look, and believe me, in the media, the notion of selling out is certainly an appealing thing. But for sure. Um, but can I give you one? I'll give you one last feel-good thing, and then we talk yeah. about the, the nightmare that is Biff and BBB. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh one last feel-good thing. Uh, you know, Tuesday was a total rejection of progressivism. It was a total, I mean, the media will tell you, everybody's done with progressive ideas. We had several months of actually considering doing good stuff. Now we can never do it again. And, and, and the proof of that is of course that, you know, progressive lost, nobody likes progressives, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Except here's one subtlety between Virginia and New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Sure, Democrats had a tough Tuesday. We understand that. We respect that reality. Okay. Well, in Virginia, Terry McAuliffe ran a very kind of standard issue Democratic campaign, uh, and he lost. Um, in New Jersey, uh, Phil Murphy, who is not not some big lefty, but he re- he had a whole campaign oriented toward reaching out to progressives, reaching mm-hmm. out to communities of color, reaching out to young people, and as the capper for his outreach to young people. At the close of the campaign, he brought in Bernie Sanders to rally university students to turn out for the election. Now, if you were to actually do something called, I don't know, journalism, right, you might look at that and say, wow, here's an interesting subtlety. The guy who actually tried to get progressive votes, tried to mobilize people in the way that we talk about, uh, he won. And the guy who's, you know, who's previous career was democratic fundraiser right <laughs> corporate fundraiser he lost for the he, carlisle group well the, no the carlisle group guy won in in uh in virginia he oh 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 yes yes but yeah the carlisle group guy won but terry mcauliffe was apparently also invested in the carlisle group well, or it, was working with them and, but here's the subtlety of this too if we're going to keep on this thing just for one second more how hard is it to beat the ceo of the carlisle group Right, they specialize in buying out companies and putting people out of work. It ought to, you know, on balance, you ought to be able to build a campaign against that guy. It's such a clear narrative. I don't know how you miss on that narrative because he was also compromised and implicated in the same group in in the Carlisle group. And he was why not nominate a random person off the street? Yeah, literally get anyone, anyone else. Find a guy. Find anyone. Hey, you got Carlisle group ties? No, cool. Come on, come on. Someone else. (laughs) Because I know this is going to blow both of your minds because you're you know you kind of new at this thing. Sure, but, but you know some politicians are cynical. Right. I don't Sometimes, believe it. If you've got a tie to the Carlisle group, you might still run against it. And if you're a Democrat and you're running in this cycle, I would still say if I'm running against the CEO of the Carlisle group, no matter what awful stuff I have in my background, I would think I could beat him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know not, I mean? No, 100%. Because how are you going to, if you get checked on it, I mean, first of all, I'm sure New York Times and Maureen Dowd will check him on it. But like, you know, <laughs> yeah. no one's going to, you can't, from the right, you can't check him on that without also implicating yourself. So it's a bizarre. And also the sweater vests. Yeah. 
No, the sweater vest alone should have tanked it. I'm telling you. I mean, it's like you're sort of starting to look at this. You're thinking, well, Virginia, Biden won it by like five gazillion votes. And, you know, it's voted Democratic for quite a while. Like, like how hard would it be to just say, yeah, I don't think our governor should be the CEO of some corporate buyout company. Yes. Oh, my God. Um, John, let's move to talking about Biff um, and the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which 13 Republicans did cross the aisle to vote for. Um, which says more about that bill than it does about them. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh God. And and six um, squad members in the House voted against it. So Bowman, Bush, AOC, Tlaib, Presley, and uh, Ilhan Omar all voted against it, which some liberals are like, oh, well, I never. Yeah. Well, I never. <laughs> what next? Yeah. <laughs> next, they'll start to believe the things they say in the campaign ads. They're going to try to hold us to that damn platform. right and the reason they didn't vote for it remember guys is because they were trying to leverage an actual vote on the build back better act Mm -hmm. um even though you know yes folks like pramila jayapal the leader of the congressional progressive caucus were like we should vote on this infrastructure bill kind of i mean then that's my question to you john did Mm -hmm. they let go of their leverage and essentially has mansion won this thing since there is no real there's a light agreement that there will be a vote on build back better but mansion won this thing sometime in july Mm -hmm. um you know with all due respect and it's it's how much he won you know like he's already taken what what bernie sanders wanted to have as a six trillion dollar plan that would have really done huge things it went down to a 3.5 back in july to get mansion in right Mm -hmm. and then mansion says oh i'm not satisfied with that i want more well, it's now yeah. down to 1.75. So we've already cut it, you know, by three quarters of what was there. Uh, we've jettisoned community colleges and clean energy stuff. And, you know, I mean, so if we're, we're not being realistic, if we don't say that mansion has prevailed, it's just a yeah. question of, can you still get something decent, you know, which has, and there's in the 1.75 trillion, there's some real stuff there. Can you get it? Um, I respect people on both sides of that question. I, I, you know, I think, and I, I, this is a classic political answer, so take it for what it's worth. <laughs> I respect Pramila Jayapal because I know her and I've covered her for a long time. I think she's an incredibly pro- principled progressive, and I think she thinks she can she can pull this off. More power to her. I respect the people who say, you know, look, we're gonna, you know, Ilhan Omar, others, people I've covered who say, look, you know, at some point we have to stop being played on this, and we're gonna we're gonna put our marker down. At the end of the day. Both sides live to fight another battle, right? Mm. Because it did pass. The infrastructure bill did pass. And so now, uh, and you know that a group of progressives uh, revolted, said, no, we aren't going to go along. Now we come into the actual politics of this. And this is, again, something that our media doesn't cover much. But, um, but the real politics of this thing is, can uh, the leadership of the Democratic Party get, close a deal, on something that they promised they would do, right? And and I will tell you this, the problem now is not with Manchin. This is Biden, mm. Schumer, and Pelosi. And it is a huge danger for the Democratic Party because if the Democratic Party, after all of this, right, five months of dickering around and dithering and, you know- whatever. I like dickering. They're dickering. I don't even know what that word is. So it's a great no, word. I, it's a perfect word. You invented it, is, it. It is what it is. 
Yeah. And so whatever they've done for five months now, and they just, you know, just mess it all up. Um, now they've made these promises. And if they can't close this deal yeah. at this point, then um, I think the disenchantment and the frustration on the part of a lot of people who came in in that anti-Trump period uh, will be potentially devastating for the Democratic Party. So, mm. I mean, we can talk about Manchin all we want. We can talk about cinema all we want. We can talk about all these other people. The bottom line is that at this point, uh, it's frankly a huge test for the Democratic Party. Can they deliver even on this downsized bill? If they cannot, um, they they should not lie to themselves. 2022 mm-hmm. could be a very, very bad moment. Right, right. And they also shouldn't lie to themselves about their the moderate and the centrist Democrats dripping oh. in coal and pharma money mm-hmm. that are, are look, the progressives are okay with the bill that you strip trillions out of yeah. down yeah. to 1.75. They're still going along with it. So in a, in no world are they the ones being the holdouts. But I already have the article written saying it's their fault. <laughs> what do you want me to do yeah. with that article? I was going to say, I mean, I respect you so much. And I love, I love that phrase, in no world. There <laughs> is, in fact, a world where that can happen. Sure. It's we live in America in 2021. <laughs> and it's, again, we, we started out talking about the media, right? Right? Yeah. And, and we have a media in this country, not all of it, but a substantial portion of it, that is deeply invested in saying it's the progressive's fault. Yeah. I mean, it's, I promise you that will be said and it will be said very, very loud, but it won't matter. It won't matter because the fact is at the end of the day, it's not the gossip. It's the reality. And if this doesn't come together at this point, I, I, I promise you, there's just going to be a ton of people who are going to, a lot of people, sincere, honest Americans of many backgrounds and many experiences who will look at this thing and say, you know, I believed in these guys. And one or two things, either they're crooks or they're incompetent. Mm -hmm. But one way or the other, they can't get their act together to do this thing. And, um, And frankly, if I was, again, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, I, that would keep me awake at night because yeah, yeah, that reality yeah. is what produces midterm nightmares. Joe Manchin, meanwhile, sleeping like a baby. Oh my God. On his boat. Oh, wee, wee, oh, wee, 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 wee. You know what he got? It's the roll of the waves. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah rocks you like a little baby. I know we're getting late in the game here, but did you see, by the way, that, that, that he's got. He, he, is, he have a, is it a Lamborghini? Maserati. Maserati, Maserati SUV, please. I'm so ignorant. I, I yeah, uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's the best one to mow down mm-hmm. protests. Everything about him just screams rich, The like, like rich elite dude. He's got the yacht. Yeah, he's got the Maserati, and his last name is fucking Mansion. Mansion. Yeah, like, it's true. 
the fact that he is a West Virginia is just like it's just me and these coal miners, and we're just yeah. gonna we're just trying to do the right thing. For it's just like no. He reminds no. me of evangelicals in South America who are like you mm. know they're putting the microphone in some like very poor like indigenous mm. woman's face who's like yes I just came to Jesus and they've got like a giant Rolex here right yeah you know and they're, all I had to do was give you all of my money and yeah. all of my earnings from you know my housekeeping job and mm. then Jesus saved me and he was like yes he did and they're like. <laughs> no. First, he wipes the microphone. First, he wipes the microphone. It's like, don't touch me, peasant. Yeah. And uh, yes, he, yes. Uh, you know, it's interesting that, that you know, it's it's like, because one of the things that we've established, because we know that real estate prices are really going through the roof mm. all over the country. It's a very big issue. Uh, and uh, But we at some point in, in the midst of this fight over Build Back Better and everything, we are going to establish what the price of a mansion is. Yeah, 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 yeah. It'll be in there. <laughs> Last question for you, John. I do want to ask you about what Joe Biden was elected to do. And because there is a discussion and I think it's reflective of the coalition that came around to vote for Joe Biden, but there's a discussion that a lot of people are like, Joe Biden was never elected to be FDR. He was there to be just normal (laughs) and, and just calm the waters. What are your thoughts on that? Why didn't you put the picture of FDR up in the office then? Right. (laughs) Now, I mean, it's a big giant picture there and they moved all the other ones to fit it in. Yeah. Why did he go to Warm Springs, Georgia, on the eve of the election mm-hmm. and give a big speech about being FDR? Yeah. In <laughs> fact, he was exi- he was elected precisely to be FDR. And it's not me saying this. I'm just a guest on Sunday night. Um, <laughs> no, no, it was Joe Biden. Multiple Joe Biden times that I you know, I want to be FDR, and yeah. and I think that. That was pretty, it's a high goal. I would have been satisfied with the first part of Lyndon Johnson's. Yeah. Not the (laughs) Vietnam part. Yeah. Um, I would, you know, look, at this point, there's a lot of Democrats I would have attached to. But FDR is a pretty high goal, pretty good thing. Okay. And he's the one who established it. And he didn't establish it romantically. He didn't establish it um, rhetorically. He established that standard because it was the exact appropriate standard when you have just gone through a pandemic that has killed now 750,000 Americans, that has devastated communities, that has shaken our economy despite the sort of you know boom of the moment that has caused real long-term challenges to our economy. You needed an FDR. He was politically savvy enough to Joe Biden's immense credit he was politically savvy enough to recognize that, to say it. And I think you want to ask yourself, why did Joe Biden flip five states? You know, why did he why did he flip Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia and Arizona? Why did he pull off Nevada, which was a tough one? You know, mm-hmm. why did he why did everything kind of just go his way? Well, I would suggest that at the end of the day, America said, yeah, we would like a Joe Biden. We would like a FDR. And. Really? Then, and- yeah. And Bernie Sanders threw his goddamn weight behind him. And yeah, I was like, did. this is and, my guy. We're going to do this. And said that this is an FDR kind of thing. And gets no credit for it yeah. whatsoever, of course. But anyway. I, I just think, just real quick, yeah. I think when Biden was saying that, like, oh, I want to be like FDR, what he meant was that he wanted to have, uh, like, a very weak backbone. And uh, I think he's accomplished that. <laughs> gotcha, Ooh. FDR. Cuts <laughs> deep. Cuts deep. John felt that. Yeah. Um, John Nichols of The Nation. Everybody follow his work. Read his writing. He is clearly brilliant and o- 
just mostly because he's reminding us of these silver linings, um, has awesome books. Please check them out. Uh, John, anything else to plug? No, I, I'm uh, satisfied that uh, that we've said a lot here. Um, I will I I will say, and I, I'll just uh, leave with this: the the simple reality is that at this point, Democrats can look back over the last eighty years, and they can see again and again that when they when they put a president in who doesn't deliver in the way that FDR did, and FDR imperfect had his flaws but delivered uh, again and again on promises that he made uh, and won every presidential election he was involved in and every off-year election, kept his majority mm-hmm. all the way through. Um, when they let that down, as Harry Truman did after taking over from FDR, lost the 46 elections, lost his governing majority. We ended up with Taft-Hartley undermining mm-hmm. labor. As Jimmy Carter did, Jimmy Carter comes in, does not govern in a bold way, breaks with labor on a bunch of issues, 78, has severe setbacks in congressional races, loses the presidency in 1980. Uh, Bill Clinton comes in, big majority, sides with Wall Street on NAFTA, sides with yeah. Wall Street on GATT, uh, does a, a, a weak and ineffectual health care reform plan, loses his governing majority in 94. Uh, Barack Obama comes in, huge majorities in the House and Senate, uh, does not do single pay does a much more mild health care plan, which I respect and I'm pleased with much of what he did, but then sure. also does a mild response to uh, the Great Recession, not a bold, you know, job creating major response uh, yes. and loses his governing majority. I mean, I, I this this is not complicated stuff. No. This is a very simple model. And it happens again and again. It's like watching, you know, Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football. <laughs> and so, Do things people like. Yeah. How about that? I mean, it's and that is really insane to me. Just speaking of the ACA briefly, I think one of the most the, the moments of the most political dissonance that I saw during the Trump years was when Trump and Republicans tried to repeal the ACA. Mm, yeah. And suddenly you had town halls and people coming out yeah. who vote Republican who said, no, you, you better not. We that, like this thing. Yeah. yeah, we kind of that is that's so important. Mm-hmm. And Democrats need to understand that and study it and realize just how popular these programs are and do more of them. Continue exactly. to keep on telling people what you did. Um, and, and yes, there are provisions in the Build Back Better Act that obviously expand, uh, the ACA and help some folks, not enough. And, um, I believe make more stipulations on expanding Medicaid. Um, there's a lot of, it's actually, as it was originally drawn, yeah, it was the most significant expansion of, of Medicare and Medicaid, uh, in modern times. It was, it was drawn in a fabulous way. And, and, um, you two are not old enough to understand how attractive the Medicare expansion was because mm-hmm. people on Medicare don't get their vision, dental and hearing mm-hmm. covered. They put that in. I That's know. huge. Now it's That's now you only get, you only get your ears. I know why. I wonder what, you know, cause this is actually a philosophical construct, right? <laughs> you know, they always say like, if you had to lose a sense, right. <laughs> and, and it's like, why did they? I, I mean, I'm I'm glad that they're going to put the hearing in, but but where, who was sitting there saying, "Yeah, let's we're not going to do vision." Yeah. Did they, did they draw straws? Did they rochambeau for it? Like, what was the process? They're like, "Do you like music? 
or food better. And yeah. it's like, uh, music. All right, lose the teeth. Yeah, no right. teeth for old people. No, I'm just like some horrible squid they're game. Soft. Like... They're eating yogurt anyways. <laughs> it just it, The thing about it is it, it's, it's sort of like the calculus is so cruel. You yeah. know, it's like because, I, I mean, my mom's got some hearing problems. And, and, and so I'm really glad that the hearing's in there. And her vision's pretty good. So that's uh, maybe I came out a winner. But, you know, what if what do you got somebody who needs the vision? Right. Or somebody yeah. who needs the dental. And mm-hmm. and, you know, at, at some fundamental level, I just believe that if you actually fought for the whole thing, you'd get all the vision voters, all the dental voters and all the hearing voters. And that's a lot of people rather than just doing one part of it. Why not do the whole thing Absolutely. and build Especially- out a movement that might win? You got to keep them wanting more. The the final thing I'll just say is we all know that part of the reason people don't dislike government is because of bureaucracy. And there's nothing more bureaucratic than an $800 coupon or a mean or a means tested access to some provision or a thing that you had to fill out a bazillion pieces of paper. I mean, literally people have to do, you know, uh, tax taxes level paperwork to get access to anything. Of course we don't like government or how things are run and we wouldn't want to, but, but that's, again, you, we miss the point because actually universal programs don't have as much bureaucracy. Well, you, you know, like in, in most countries around the world, like, they don't complain about their healthcare plan system because it's not hard. Yeah. If you're sick, you actually get care, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. And, you know, the thing about it is, is I, I know we're going on and we're way too long here, I'm sure. <laughs> That's great. But the one final thing, too. I mean, I believe that the Democrats failed to sell this thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think it was intentional. I think that there's just such an insiderism. You know, Bernie Sanders begged them to go out and sell it. Uh, progressives begged him to go out and sell it, but they're all like, no, 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 we can do this behind closed doors. We can, you know, kind of, we get together around the table, you know, we'll, we'll sort this thing out. Yeah. And, and so they didn't go out and sell it. And I'm, I'm thinking this was one of the easiest things to sell, like in the history of politics. Yes. Vision, dental and hearing for, for older folks, you're selling an extension, massive extension of caregiving so that, uh, Older folks who may need care can stay in their homes and people with disabilities can get that little bit of extra care they may need so that they can work and do more. They're freed. Um, They're doing, you know, universal pre-K. They're doing things, you know. It was paid family leave. Yeah. Family leave. I mean, which applies to everyone, right? It's not just new parents, right? It can apply to older folks as well when it comes to having a sick relative. And it applies to Republicans and Democrats. Absolutely. Yeah, it's universal. And, and, you know, and then it's just like you, you go down the list and I, and like free community college for, you know, working class kids so that they can actually get an education. I mean, how can you not, how can you not succeed in selling this? Like how, how hard is it to go out and sell universally popular things to people who are feeling a little battered after a pandemic you would think yeah that i can do but they didn't and now they're in a situation where they're literally talking about saying well you know joe manchin says we can give you we can give you hearing but we can't give you vision um and and which essentially like makes him king too i mean it all sort of feeds into whatever the hell 
future political re- career he has. It's hard well. to sell these things when the people you're trying to sell it to uh, actively profit off of you not having these things, <laughs> you know? So you gotta you gotta sell it to them first and they're like oh i'm making way more money not giving people put them on the aca i swear to god put every politician on Mm -hmm. on yeah anyway john nichols everyone follow at nichols uprising and uh again read all of his awesome work follow him and thank you so much for joining us and for giving us so much of your time it's an honor to be with you all right, take very good care matt lieb we have one more final segment are you ready oh i've been born i've been born ready I've been born. I've been born ready. I've been born again. Yeah. Um, but first, I want to read just a few of your comments, guys. Comments. Ooh, I don't know why I'm saying like, like that. I like people's comments. <laughs> um, Hef, what you're bitching about back when? I'm bitching that Bannon isn't in jail crying over a bologna sandwich mm. every day, dude. Every day. Uh, on Rittenhouse, Gary Priestley says, a non-living complaining witness. <laughs> So many words That's just to write victim. victim. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. How do you complain? How do you be a complaining witness when you're dead? A silent whiner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So silly. Yeah. Um, An eternally sleeping witness. You know. Stanley, nineteen fifty-three, on Twitch says, "In my opinion, the judge should be put on trial for impersonating a member of the bar." Mm. Yeah. On the sitch, use of the dark, you use of the dark side of the force says build back barely mm-hmm. very nice Indeed. good pun uh thank you for the super chat fun p who writes loved you in portland francesca i was the drunk guy who shouted out your chinese italian oh heritage my oh my god fun p i've been trying to track you down and, and to give you a restraining order i've, <laughs> I've been this has been a long time coming yeah. you were good too matt thumbs up thank you fun p i feel like you got kind of yeah, you got drunk. You did get. You almost fell down the stairs, if I remember correctly. I just remember yelling at him, but uh, you know, it was, it was very fun. It was it, very it was, funny. It's all love. Yeah, yeah. Um, you and- love when someone just yells out Chinese, you know, in an audience. That's always fun. <laughs> um, all right, and with that, let's go into our final segment. Uh, obviously, this has been a dark week. Mm. Uh, although I feel a lot better after John's. Yeah, that of the really victories. like my mood improved. Yeah, my mood improved too. Yeah, I'm like. I need to get more positive narratives in my life and stop watching media. Yeah, but in in any case, we're going to do a very quick round of in everyone and listening right now, think about in your life, this these are this is your gratitude journal. These are your hashtag blessings. What's good? What's good? <laughs> That is uh, an interstitial that our producer, Becca Roofer, made. And it is Becca's last show. Oh, no. <gasps> Becca. She's been hired by Tim Poole, actually, to run his YouTube yeah. channel. <laughs> it's I'm called uh, Diving Off the Deep End with Tim Poole. But, um, Matt Lieb, mm. uh, what is good in, what? with you? You said you said baseball last time so you can't say baseball this time i can't say it again no okay um golf golf is good been having a good time uh what's good the sopranos greatest fucking tv <laughs> show <laughs> i'm here to cross promote what do um, you like what do i like i like food uh <laughs> this is i'll tell you what's good uh in my life um there is in the kitchen right now mm. uh a bunch of ingredients that you had me get 
yeah. uh, for what I assume is going to be some sort of Thai stir fry that yeah, we're doing yeah, tonight. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you what's good. Fucking Thai food. Mm. Thai food is like, it's my favorite. It's the one food that for years I couldn't have because peanuts, I'm allergic. But then but you. Then I learned you could just ask them to not put peanuts on stuff. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm very. But in Thai. Yeah, well, I have to learn Thai first, but uh, you need to learn how to say no peanuts in like every language. Yeah, well, you're gonna have to help uh, in Spanish uh, a few yeah. weeks from now. Yeah, yeah, when we leave. We we will. Yeah. Um, mani, manias in in Argentina. I don't know, you guys. Where in if you know how to speak Spanish in which country you're from, how do you say peanuts? In uh, how do you say no peanuts? No, yeah, sin manies. Tengo alergia a los manies. Mani is like peanuts. Yeah. I don't know if it's manias or money. Money could be plural. Sounds like money. Yeah, money, manny. Um, what is good for me? Well, I got to hang out with some friends over the weekend. And honestly, um, like being vaccinated feels good. <laughs> and if I don't get COVID in the next seven days, I will tattoo Pfizer. No, I won't. No, but so I good. will write Pfizer a thing. No, I won't. Nope. I will... I'll I'll thank science, dude. Yeah, thanks just science. Because your think, local scientist. Like, thank your local scientist. Yeah, there's someone around there's who does science there. next door. Just go out your door and be like, is there a scientist yeah. present? Any one of you, Mr. Wizard? Anyone not do their own research? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. It feels it feels good to hang with people once again, just be a little bit social, eating sort of indoors, not being like a s- hyper freaked out that mm-hmm. I'll get sick or infect others. You know, my mom got boosted, which I think suck. I mean, it's great, but it's, I like only think about people around the world who haven't even gotten like their first dose. But once I only focus on American exceptionalism, yeah, 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 it's still bad, but anyway, USA. it's good. So I hope everyone enjoys hanging with people safely. And, uh, you know, it feels like we're getting sort of back to normal and check in with me in a week and see if I have a raging case of the Rona. Yeah. Um, and with that, you guys, I am going to read some of your comments. Uh, a lot of people say, what's good? Francesca and Nina Turner on TYT. Yeah. Mm. Diversity in comics and movies. Mm. Oh, is that an eternal reverence? Um, infused espresso with cinnamon and chocolate. Yum. Uh, yeah, I've never had that, but that sounds really good. Uh, and then putting hot sauce on everything. Yeah, that's yes. me. 100%. One day you won't be able to eat hot sauce anymore. She keeps telling me this because I'll eat uh I eat a lot of spicy food all the time. And then your doctor will be like, you know, you got to lay off the spicy and food. And my doctor will say like, yeah, you know, maybe lay off the spicy food and I'm like, don't tell me what to fucking do, doc, you know? <laughs> like I'm an anti-vaxer but only about when a doctor tells me not to have spicy food. You know what I mean? Like that's when I'm like, yeah. that, that's just the, You're gonna make that's big pharma sauce. trying to stop me from eating fucking sriracha. That's big red hot. Yeah, that's big red hot. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, yeah, good stuff. All right, guys, let us take, take it to the bridge with thanking everyone who became a patron at 10 bucks or more. Remember guys, if you become a patron, you get access to all the extra stories. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers, Joe Rogan, Tim Pool. Um, for like 10 more minutes after this. So patreon.com slash bituation room. And uh, in thanks of all the people who give to the show, which is a small and mighty and shoestring operation uh, supported by your love and hard work. This is lay fart song. <laughs> Thank you. 
to the new patrons at 10 bucks or more, Joshua C, Jeff F, um, to the big tippers, Joseph L, and Ed B, to the Twitch subs, <laughs> subscribed, Cutestone420, Poe, the freaking Rican dragon, Brandy Lou 2, K the gentle dragon, and thank you for all the super chats. Hilltop Ironwork, Omega Shenron Dragon, Fun P, Dragon Slayer, Slayer Dragon, and Jeff Pertit. You guys are wonderful. Uh, love your support. And now we're just going to dance it out together. Thank you for giving my fiance some money for the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys, uh, also thanks to, of course, all the producers who work on this show mm-hmm. and the people who help out to Alexander Ornest, to Ellie Hoffman, to Maximilian Inhoff, and the wonderful Becca Roofer. We love you, Becca. We love Thank you, Thank you Becca. for all the work that you've done, for being here from the beginning day one, to now. You, you my day one girl. Day one girl. Um, Bottom B. Everybody thank Becca. Give Becca some hearts in that chat. Hottest producer in the world. Oh, by far. Mm-hmm. Fly. Sexy. Smart. Funny, cool, other things. Crazy, sexy, crazy, cool. sexy, cool. You know, chasing waterfalls, creep. Yes, red and, light special. Okay, okay. These are all songs from that album. Um, we stream every Sunday, five eight Eastern on YouTube and Twitch, guys. But next week, I have a I got work on that Sunday, so uh, we're going to be streaming on Tuesday, the sixteenth. And we have already an awesome show lined up. We're going to hear from an organizer with the If Not Now project working uh against uh the occupation and remember y'all fight the power fuck the patriarchy and don't just bitch about it be about it take care bye